I mean, you know, to quote to quote Chris Rock, I'm not saying she should have done it, but I understand. Diz Runs Radio, episode 1095, starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Brick or treat or something like that. Hopefully more treats than tricks in today's Q&A episode. But I guess that I guess at that point the cat's out of the bag, right? It is that time once again, y'all. You ask, I answer. That's the formula for these monthly Q and A episodes uh, that happen at the end of every month. The last Friday of every month is dedicated to your questions, my answers, a bit of tomfoolery, a whole host of nonsense, maybe even with a little bit of, of luck, some useful information. Um, if you're new around here, the, like I said, we do this every month and the way to get your questions in the queue is really any, any way that you want to ask them works. Um, as we, we typically in this month, no exception, have a submission from the Twitters. Thanks to Gary Joe. But, uh, the, the, the easiest way is to join the Facebook group. If you, if you do Facebook, if you don't do Facebook, Good job. I I want to, to be like you when I grow up. Um, except we, we do have a good Facebook group. I, I do have to admit, um, I, I'm in like three Facebook groups that I really, really enjoy. Ours being one of them, um, I think. I, I think ours is being one of them. I think I can, I can say that I enjoy being part of our Facebook group. But uh, anyway, one way or the other, uh, somewhere mid-month, I put out a post that says, what are your questions for this month's Q&A? You leave your questions in the comments. I go through the questions and that's how this episode comes about. Of course, like I said, if you want to send some questions via email, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, that's cool. Just bear in mind that occasionally those messages get lost in the shuffle. I do my best to keep track, but every once in a while, things have fallen through the cracks. Um, but if you want to join the Facebook group, disruns.com slash Facebook is the link, or you can search for the Disruns tribe on the old Facebooks the next time you're browsing around, scrolling indefinitely. Hit that little magnifying glass. Type in Dizruns Tribe. Click to to you know whatever it says. A request to join something like that, and uh, we'll let you in. And then you know there's there's some basic rules. Chief among them: don't be a douche. If you prove to not be a douche, we will allow you to to continue to grace us with your presence. If you come in there all douchey like, well then we'll just show you the door. It's really that simple. Uh, but anyway, here are this month's questions. Let's dive into this month's questions. One way or the other, we've got questions this month. I've got some answers. So let's get that party started. First question from north of the border. Mr. Walker asks, could you please discuss how you approach a marathon taper? Um, loaded question. Loaded question. Apparently, this is going to be a long episode because this this question right here could could be a, you know, a quick tip length answer. And then there's a bunch of other questions to come. So who knows how long we're going to go today. Um, but does, you know, approaching a marathon taper is, is it's a bit tricky 
you know, what, what is the goal of the taper? Maybe we'll start there. What is the goal of the taper to help your, your, your legs to be refreshed? You know, you've done all this work. You've logged your miles. You've done your workouts. And, you know, your legs are probably a bit tired. You might be even, you know, just tired generally physically. Certainly might be tired a little bit mentally. So the taper is all about kind of pulling back, refreshing, and making sure that you're, you're strong, ready to go, not worn out physically and sometimes mentally as well um, on race day. So how do you how do you approach that? Well, you know, you, you, you kind of start pulling back a little bit. Um, typically, that means pulling back on volume may also mean pulling back a little bit on intensity. Some people will say you should still do some some, you know, good workouts, uh, maybe some repeats, something like that, just shorter volume. So instead of maybe doing whatever five repeats or eight repeats or 10 repeats or whatever, whatever your workouts might have been, you know, maybe you do just one or two just to just to turn over, still go fast a little bit but nothing, you know, as strenuous as a proper, you know, fairly max effort type of workout. Um, I would argue that you don't necessarily need to do that, but you know, to, to each their own, but definitely pulling back, um, in general, but me specifically approaching a marathon taper, um, honestly doesn't look that much different from what I'm doing in the marathon build because being a heart rate guy and being kind of maybe, on, on the extreme of heart rate training, like I'm not doing that many hard workouts, right? Like, like maybe once a month, maybe once every three weeks, something like that. If I'm, if I'm really trying to go all in on, on hammering. Um, so, so for me approaching a marathon taper, you know, I might, I might pull back on the long runs. You know, maybe my last long run is two weeks before the race. Maybe it's three as far as really long, you know, pushing up to 20 miles or, or maybe even beyond a little bit. Um, but then, you know, in the, the week before the, the race, I might do about, about, you know, 12 to, to 13, 14, 15 miles, something in that half marathon ish range. Um, my week of the race, like the first half of the week, probably pretty standard, you know, four, five, six miles, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe take an off day on Thursday, a couple miles on Friday, and then either the race is Saturday or maybe an off day on Saturday and a race on Sunday. So I'm, I'm definitely pulling back on the volume, trying to get a little extra sleep. But for me, it doesn't change dramatically because I kind of feel like if I can't run and recover from, you know, four or five miles of easy running, then I'm probably not going to have such a great marathon anyway. Um, but, you know, it's been it's been a while since I've really been like, let's go all out to hammer a marathon. So if I was doing that, maybe I'd pull back a little bit more. Um but ultimately, you know, kind of some of the, the rules of thumb that I, that I think are relevant here, even though y'all know I'm not the biggest fan of rules of thumb. But, you know, remember that as, as the race gets closer, as you get inside that two-week, that 10 days to two-week window, there's not a whole lot that you can do to make yourself more physically prepared for the race from a, from a workout standpoint. You know, you're not making any gains really from the, the runs that you're doing. So less is more. You know, I, I kind of encourage people sometimes as from a coaching standpoint to, you know, especially the week of the race, like run as much as you need to kind of get your mind from, from getting in the way, because, you know, we've all, if you've been there before, if you've had some taper mental issues, some, some phantom pains, or you start to doubt, like I, I might have forgotten how to run if I don't run for a couple of days, like go out and get a couple miles in, clear your mind, keep keep your mind from getting out ahead of yourself. Um, but that's plenty. You know, you're not, you're not doing anything the, the week or the, the two weeks ahead of the race. That's going to make you more race ready. But if you, if you overdo it, you do too much, 
you could potentially be negatively impacting impacting your race. So I kind of try to keep that in mind as well. Um, and even though I, I might say that I'm going to do a fairly normal week, like maybe I do pull back a bit more. Um, but it kind of depends on what the mind's doing. So I don't know if that's if that's really an answer um, or if that's it's a, I guess it's an answer. I don't know if it's a good answer, which, you know, stay tuned. There'll probably be more of those as well. Um, but that's that's kind of how I approach a, a taper. Pull back some. Um, but also because I'm not doing much intensity anyway, like I'm not usually as, as worked up about a dramatic pullback on the taper, like, uh, might be more necessary for those that are a bit less all in on the heart rate training than I am. So, and that's, and that's not trying to be some holier than now. That's not trying to be some push towards, um, really diving into running slow racing fast. Um, but I think it's a, it's an important perspective. You know, if, if you're like, yeah, I don't know about heart rate training, like, like, okay, cool. Like that's fine, but you're probably going to need to pull back more on the taper. If you're, if you're pushing it a little bit harder in your workouts than, than I tend to do. So take that for whatever it's worth, but thanks for the question, Brian, hopefully mildly useful for you as, uh, I feel like you've got a big race coming up. So hopefully that's going well. Hopefully your taper goes well. Also next couple of questions from the left coast, from the treadmill, from Thessaly, you know, you knew as soon as I said from the treadmill, um, who the questions were coming from first question from Thessaly. What are you, what are some of your go-to running songs for an Epic playlist? Oh, Thessaly. Um, you know, I mean, this, this is going to come as no surprise. I wouldn't imagine. Um, but it, you know, it's just whatever Dave Matthews, like that's it. Um, and, and it, it kind of put a smile on my face because as I'm reading your question, I'm thinking that, that you have this, this false image of me as someone who would actually take the time to put together a, a, a running playlist. Um, yeah, that's, that's not going to happen. Like I can't, I can't see a scenario, you know, never say never, but I can't wrap my head around a scenario where I am actually going to put together strategically try to put together a playlist at best. What I would have done in, in, in a former life you know, when you had to like actually hook your, your iPod up to your computer and you had all the stuff on iTunes is just go through and add like 500 songs to a running playlist and just turn it on shuffle. And that was it. Right. And then we were all over the place. We had, you know, some rap, we had some rock, we had some nonsense comedy type of stuff. Um, you know, and if something came on that, that didn't seem right at the moment, then we just hit the skip button and, and move along. Um, but there was no like rhyme or reason that really went into, into putting a playlist together. But now running playlist, that's funny. That's funny. No, but what I do have, I was almost said what I do do. And then I would have had to say, I just said, do do, which I guess I kind of just did. But what, what I do, uh, have on my phone in terms of music is I, I have a couple of Dave Matthews concerts that, that Rebecca and I have gone to downloaded on my phone. And so, you know, if I need, if I need a, a music pick me up, um, I can just pull one of those, you know, just press play on, you know, track one. And then I've got two hours and 45 minutes or whatever. And six songs, um, not quite six songs, Dave Matthews joke. If you, if you get it, you get it. Um, but you know, I just, I just press play on, you know, the concert from 2021 or the concert from 2019 or, or whenever, whenever it was, um, and then just, just let it ride. And, you know, there's a couple songs that maybe are a little, eh little ho-hum, little cool-down songs in there. Um, not that they're bad songs, but they're just not, you know, a 14-minute version of a slow song that's like, come on, Dave, like, pick it up. I got a, I got a marathon to run here. Um, but 
I don't worry about it. I just cruise along, cruise along. So, you know, my go-to running songs are just Dave Matthews concerts. Long, long way of getting to a short answer. Next question from Thessaly. Also, how do you utilize a foot scan like the ones at Fleet Feet to better understand your shoes and running needs? Is it just a good way for shoe size or is there more to glean from the results? Um, I've never heard of a foot scan at Fleet Feet. Um, and call me skeptical. You've called me worse things. Maybe not you, Thessaly, but some of you have called me worse things than skeptical. Um, but I can't see any, like, I can't see anything to glean from that other than some nonsense for them to charge more for a certain pair of shoes. Um, again, maybe I'm being overly skeptical here, or maybe some way for them to create some type of insert for your shoes, which I'm pretty anti those as well, except for the, the rare occasions where they might be actually useful. And by rare, I don't mean like majority of people. I mean like a very select few instances where inserts or stability shoes really are required. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, again, like I call me skeptical, call me biased towards zero drops and toe shaped toe boxes and, and relatively thin, thin cushioning. Um, I just feel like that's the best situation in most cases for most people. Um, now you may, it may take a little while to get there and that's, that's another conversation for another day. It's actually another question for a little bit later from now. Um, but I think a lot of times we like, we have all this fancy stuff. So you can be like, well, here's this motion controlled shoe because you need this because check out our, our scan. Well, like I just am skeptical. I am skeptical. Um, so I don't know. How, how do I utilize them? I don't. I've, I don't. And I don't, I mean, you do you, of course. Um, but if somebody is like pointing to the scan to be like, this is the shoe you need because of the scan, it'd be like, eh, really, really? Um, I'd be skeptical. I'd be, I think I've made my, my feelings felt on the foot scans that apparently fleet feet do. Um, if it works for you, if it, if it, if it, if it turns you on to like this, this miracle shoe, fantastic rock on. Um, but I've literally never heard of a foot scan at fleet feet until just now. And I don't have any good feelings about it. So good luck. Hopefully it helps you find a good pair of shoes, but I don't think I don't, I, I can't imagine there's much more to glean from those results of some half baked scanner at the shoe store. Sorry, but not sorry. Anyway, thanks for the questions. Desley. hope the treadmill is less boring than I'm sure it probably is. Hope it's going well out West. Take care of yourself. Next couple questions from Melody. First one, how many weeks should you plan to spend training for a marathon? I mean, you know, Melody, I love you. I love you. Um, and I know that there's some of you that, that like there might, I don't know. I guess I don't know this. I could assume that there could be a drinking game of like every time I'm flapping my yap or answering questions. I say, well, really it depends. Like, like that's gotta be, you know, that's gotta be one of the dizisms that requires a drink. Right. And I feel like you're just setting me up here. How many weeks should you plan to spend training for a marathon? I mean, it depends. Like, like, I don't know, you know, um, it depends on what your goal is for the marathon. Um, it depends on where you're starting in your training. It depends on what your schedule is like. 
right? Like, like there's so many factors that goes into play. I mean, how many weeks should you plan to spend training for a marathon? As many as possible, maybe, um, you know, and, and, and maybe it's, it's a little bit kind of cliche. I don't know if cliche is the right word. Maybe it's, it sounds a little bit dismissive, but like, I don't have a race on the calendar right now, but like, I feel like I'm kind of training for my next marathon. Like I'm not doing specific workouts and I'm not like ramping up, but you know, I'm kind of in that base training phase, which, which is in my view, a phase of training. Some of you might dismiss that. That's okay. You know, it's, it's kind of a tomato, tomato scenario, but like, like, I feel like I'm always in marathon training. Just, I'm not always at peak marathon training. Um, so yeah, I mean like all the time you should be planning to train for your marathon. Um, that said, you know, like, like, I don't know. I mean, how many weeks, like as I, where are you starting from? You know, like, I know I already kind of said that, but, um, are, are you, are you not running at all right now? Well then, then 24 weeks, 36 weeks. I mean, I don't know a long time. Cause you gotta, you gotta start slow and build up gradually. You know, are you, are you running 50 miles a week right now? And your long runs tend to be 15 to 18 miles. Well, shoot six weeks is probably enough. Maybe not to be in peak fitness, but to certainly be confident. You can just, you know, get through, get to the, get to the finish line, feel good, run, run reasonably well. Um, you know, are, are you going for some massive PR? Well, maybe, maybe we want 18, 24 weeks, something like that. Um, I mean, there's so many variables in play that to try to say you need 16 weeks to train for your merit. Like, I mean, that that's probably enough dependent, but it depends where you're starting from and what your goals are more or less. Yeah, sure. So without trying to be dismissive, how many weeks should you plan to spend training for a marathon? Depends how many weeks you have, you know, as as much time as you have, I think is the right answer. Next question. How many weeks should you plan to spend training for a half marathon? Since it is half the distance, does it take half the time? I mean, no, I see above, <laughs> you know, it depends. What are your goals? Where are you starting from? What's your, what's your running history been like? What's your schedule like right now? What's going on in your life? Um, I mean, like I, I feel like for me, and, and certainly, you know, again, not, not that this is what everybody needs to do, but like, I don't spend any time training for a half marathon, even a, a half marathon that I'm racing. Like I'm, I'm training, I think more for the marathons. And then if I drop down to a half, maybe I'll do a couple weeks of, of, you know, speed work, or maybe I'll, I'll try to cater my, my occasional workout to something that's more half distance, half marathon. But I don't think that there's really a difference in, in workouts necessarily. Um, I think a good half marathon workout is also a good marathon workout and vice versa. So, you know, like zero is, I don't know that's how many you should, but like, that's how many weeks I would plan to spend training for a half zero none roll into it. Um, I, I don't know, Melody. And, I, and again, I'm not trying to be, be dismissive. I'm not trying to, to ruffle any feathers, but there's so many variables out there that it's going to be different for every person. You know, sometimes it, you, you, even if you haven't been running for a while, but you've, you've run a lot in the past, you can bounce back pretty quickly. Like, like there's a, a decent amount of base that you're not going to lose, even if you haven't been running for a while. 
Some folks, if you really are starting from scratch, like it takes a while. But it, and again, what's the goal? You just want to finish, just quote unquote. You know, you you you're training to run a three hour half or a seven hour marathon or whatever. Well, that's probably not going to take as much time, no matter where you're starting from. Although potentially it does. I mean, there, there's so many factors at play that to try to come up with a one size fits all is ridiculous. Says the guy who wrote a book that says take 16 weeks. But you know, I like 16 weeks for a half, cool. 16 weeks for a full, cool. But is that gospel? Does that apply to everyone? No, clearly not. Um, and I think in both cases, the, the real answer is the more time you have to train, the better. Um, because it gives you more options. It gives you more flexibility. It gives you more opportunities to adjust to life when you're training for whatever the race might might be. But how many weeks should you plan? As many as, as, many as you can, I guess. What a cop-out answer. But it's, it's a hard, it's, it's an impossible question to try to put on, you know, a set number. Um, and since it's half the distance, you know, for that part of it, does it take half the time? I mean, clearly not. Um, because again, it depends on your goals, depends on where you're starting from. Um, now if it's the same person in the same situation, would it take half as long to train for a half versus a full? I don't know that it would be exact, but maybe, maybe you'd be close to that because you're, you're not trying to, to push up quite as far. Um, but the more time you have, the better, I think. I think. Third question from Melody. Why do our heads get bigger and wider as we grow older? Um, I don't know that that happens. Um, I mean, our ears keep growing. I know that. I believe our nose keeps growing. Cartilage factors that, that, that um, are in play there. Um, but I don't. To my knowledge, heads our, our heads themselves don't get bigger and wider as we grow older. Um, I mean, outside of like, you know, when you're a baby, they get bigger then. Um, but as I, as I understand anatomy, and I feel like I understand anatomy halfway well, um, there are bones, that, like there are multiple bones in our, in our skull, right? Like fa- facial bones and, and even like on top, on our, on top of our head. Um, or the making up the, you know, kind of the, 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 the storage capacity of the brain. Um, there are a handful three, four, five bones, something like that. Um, and they, the, those bones fuse together at a certain point. I feel like it's, it's, you know, kind of, uh, I, I mean, I, here, here's where I'll show my ignorance. I mean, I don't know exactly, but like at some point those bones in our, in our youth, maybe puberty ish time, uh, those bones fuse together. And at that point, like your, your head kind of, in my experience is my way. I understand it kind of stops growing. Those growth plates stop growing. Um, I mean, I've been wearing the same size fitted hat since I was like 16. And so if, if my head is either I'm the exception to the rule and my head hasn't grown in the last 24 years, or I'm just like most people and my head hasn't grown in the last 24 years. Um, I feel like it's more the latter, but maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just this unique, this unique specimen whose head maybe swells occasionally metaphorically, but the actual physical growth of my head, that hasn't been a thing for the last, you know, 24 years or so. So I don't know that our heads get wider and bigger as we grow. 
Ears do yes. Noses do yes. Heads? I don't think so. I don't know so. To be determined. Somebody correct me where I'm wrong. One of the some of the more medical, medically inclined folks chime in if you if you're so inclined. But anyway, Melody, I, apologies if my answers were less than useful. But thank you for the questions, Melody. Uh, next question from Sharon: Are you starting to love the hills yet? I mean, love is a powerful word, Sharon. Um, a very powerful word, and I I don't think I'm ready to to claim love as the the best way to describe how I feel about the hills in my, in my area now, in my, in my new Georgia neighborhood. Um, but I will say that I don't have the same level for, of disdain for the hills as I did a couple of months ago. So we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, you know, like, like the hills, there's a, every so often, a, ugh. but for the most part, um, you know, I know that they're good for me. I feel like I'm getting stronger. Um, I don't love them, but you know, we're, we're, we're good. We're, we're, we have a, we have a mutual respect. I think me and the Hills these days. Um, and who knows, you know, maybe somewhere down the line, I'll, I'll become a bit more of a fan, but for right now, I'm cool with just being, being cool with the Hills. Um, definitely don't love them, but don't hate them either. You know, we're somewhere, somewhere middle ground, which I think, you know, healthy respect, healthy respect for the hills. Um, in part, because mostly here we, it's hills, not so much mountains, you know, mountains are still at mountains, like mountain hills. That's, that's no love lost there. Um, but these rollers, they're all right. They're all right. I'll work with them. I'll work with them. Next question. Questions from Miss Ellen. Uh, are there any runners that you admire slash look up to? I mean, not really. Like, I I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm just too curmudgeon. Probably I'm too curmudgeon. Um, but you know, if we're talking about like elites, uh, I mean, I like I'm impressed by Kipchoge, of course. But like, I don't care. Uh, uh, like, I don't admire him. I don't look up to him. Um, you know, he, he's, he's running on a different plane of existence than I'll ever, I'll ever, you know, get to, um, and, and, and maybe there's, there's something, you know, into that as far as like, if you've noticed, I've had a few elites on the show, but like, it's been 700 episodes or so since I've had any elites or whatever the number is. It's been a minute, it's been a minute. Um, and I can't see a scenario where I would like want to have an elite on the show again. Like the runners that I more admire and, and more look up to are the ones that I can more relate to, you know, the ones who are like you and me who have jobs and have families and, and still have running goals and things that we're trying to push towards, but also recognizing that like, you know, we can't sleep for 14 hours a night and we can't get, you know, hour long massages four times a week. And we can't, you know, have three hours of, of physical therapy and personal training sessions every day. And we can't run 150 miles a week. Like those that can awesome. But like, I, I don't like, to me, admiring and looking up to her, like, I want to be like that when I grow up. And I don't want to be like, like, I mean, maybe I would, I wouldn't mind, you know, if, if I got hit by the, by the magic wand all of a sudden snap my fingers and like, holy crap, I'm running, you know, five minute pace. Like I'm standing still. Like, I mean, that would be all right. Um, but you know, like the, the runners that I admire and look up to are the ones that I can more closely relate to and aspire to be, you know, that, that are, that are faster while also, um, navigating, life in a way that, that I can more closely relate to, if that makes sense. So, um, 
to a lot of a lot of you know a lot of y'all that listen to the show, a lot of a lot of y'all that that I coach, a lot of y'all that um, you know that that I've interacted with on social media. Y'all, those are the runners that I look up to, um, that I admire. N- not the ones that maybe would be first that you'd think about. And again, that's not that's not trying to cast shade on the elites. That's not trying to to be be haughty or judgy. It's just I just can't I can't relate to what that's like. And as such, like I don't I've been around enough, I guess, professional athletes that I don't really admire any professional athletes anymore. Like of any sport. Like I just don't. I just don't. Um, next question from Ellen. If you had to put together a, a Ragnar type relay team with anyone in the world on it, who would be there can be celebrities and people you've never met. Just most fun team you can think of and assume all of them can run. So again, like, like I don't, I don't know where, I mean, I used to, you know, really be like looking up to, to athletes and, and celebrities and things like that. Um, but like these days, like I can't be bothered. Like I don't care. And again, like I still like sports. I still watch, you know, I'll still watch a, a race or I'll still watch the, the, the Premier League and Champions League. And I'll watch, certainly watch the World Cup. I'll watch the Olympics. Uh, you know, watch, watch a little bit of NFL once in a while, college football, like all, like, uh, you know, whatever. I certainly like, still like watching hockey. Um, but like, again, like if we were to do, going to do a Ragnar type of, of event, like, and just put that team together, like who would I want to just hang out with around the campfire? Um, I, I think I'd rather make it a trail Ragnar than a road Ragnar. Although, you know, maybe we'll, who, who would I like to share van life with? I mean, it, it would be, it'd be y'all clowns. Like, like, and not trying to make the cop out answer, but like it would be, you know, like, like maybe, maybe I'd bring Dave Matthews along so he could bring his guitar and he could play guitar for us and, and do Dave speak stuff. Um, I mean, that might be kind of cool. Like I might kind of enjoy that. Um, but other than that, like, I mean, I can't think there'd be too many people that I'd like to spend a day and a half of, of just nonsense and, and shit talking and, and cracking jokes and having fun with, then like a lot of y'all again, a lot of y'all, um, you know, I mean, I mean, quite frankly, you know, Ellen, you were there when we did the, the Ragnar last year. Um, and that was awesome. That was awesome to, to be able to meet you in person and, and hang out for a bit and, and, um, get, get a photo of you and your favorite university of Michigan sweatshirt. And, and, um, you know, like, like that kind of stuff would be, would be awesome. And that's like, I would love to, I would, you know, I kind of threw this out there at the beginning of the year and, and I, you know, admittedly, it, it, I don't know that I expected it to go very far, but like, I would love to be able to, to have, you know, two or three or five, um, you know, of these type of events over the years that, that are in different parts of the country where it's just us getting together, you know, whether it's literally, you know, you again or, or, or other folks. Um, but just, just, like that would be the most fun team. Um, just bringing, bringing some of this, this clown group together. Um, and just, just having a good old time, having a good old time. Maybe with Dave Matthews there with his guitar. I mean, that would, that would be helpful. That'd be useful. Create some, some mood music, some nonsense music. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, if, if it would take me a month of Sundays to come up with like an eight person team of celebrities that I would really like to like, that I would really want to be there. I mean, I can't think of like four. I can't think of like two. Yeah. So let's have real people just getting away from life for a little while, having a good old time, running some miles together. That's, that's a good time. That's a good time. Last but not least from Ellen, since I know you struggle with the mental part of running, what strategies do you employ when a race gets hard? So, 
Um, yes, as I've as I've said over the years, like the the mental side of running, especially like like on race day, longer longer you know longer distance races, the the, the final part of the race, um, the mental part has definitely gotten in my way several times, kind of almost quitting on myself. Like, oh, I can't do this anymore and give it up. Um, and then once, once you give up, like once you stop for that first walk break for me, once I stop for that first walk break, that wasn't planned, it's all over. It's all over at that point. Um, sometimes I'll plan walk breaks. You know, sometimes I'll plan, I'm going to walk every mile. Or I'm going to walk every three miles or whatever it is. And in which case that's fine. That's part of the plan. But when it's like, I'm planning to run this, this couple mile segment of this, of this race. And then I just oh, give in and, and let me just walk for a second. It's all over. It's all over at that point. Um, and it's all over mentally. Like I know that. So, so how have I gotten better? How have I tried to improve on that over the years? Um, I mean, honestly, and this, this may not be helpful cause it's not necessarily a strategy, but like the biggest thing that's helped me is just experience, right? Like, and not experience like, well, I know better what to expect, but like the more long races I've run, the more S and G marathons I've done, the more ultras I've done, like the more it's just like, I've been there, done that before. And, and some of those mental demons of like, you can't do this. Like they don't really bubble up anymore because like, I can do it. I have done it. I know I can do it. Um, so that's, that's, I think been a big part of, of it for me of, of getting a little bit stronger. It's just, you know, more, more confidence, more comfort, more comfortness, being more comfortable with being uncomfortable, but also just being more comfortable with, you know, mile 18 and like, yeah, I know mile 18 is probably going to suck because, Mile 18, like in a marathon, just as an example, you know, mile 18, like you've gone a long ways, but you still have a long freaking way to go. Like you still have eight plus miles to go when you're at mile 18. And that feels like, oh, well, you've got, you've done 18. You only have eight to go. Well, fuck, eight, eight is a lot. So, so, but again, like it doesn't trip me up anymore because I get there and I'm like, yeah, eight, like that's kind of the, the sucky part. Um, but like, we're all right. We'll, we'll keep grinding. We got this, um, you know, just a couple more miles till I get to the 10 K and that's when the marathon starts, right? Like it's a 20 mile warm up with a 10 K race. So just a couple miles left of this warm up. So, so maybe that's, that's the better question or better part of the answer is, you know, what strategies, like how can you reframe? Um, and, and sometimes it, it, it at least in the past, it sounded kind of like mental gymnastics for me. Like, like you're just trying to convince yourself like of something, you know, like you're just trying to distort reality a little bit, but like, yeah, sometimes that's what you got to do. So you, you chunk it down you know, you make it more manageable chunks. So instead of, um, you know, I'm running 26 miles, but I'm running one mile, 26 times. So it's just always one mile at a time. Um, of course, sometimes I've, I've gone to mantras, you know, I mean, I got, I've got a mantra freaking tattooed on my arm, right? Um, you know, take the next step. Like I look down at my arm sometimes when I'm, when I'm struggling and it's just like, all right, one more step, one more step, just to get the next step. Um, and, and thankfully, a lot of times when, when, when I'm able to kind of not give in mentally, um, those rough patches don't last for the rest of the race. You know, you might be in a, it might be in a rough patch at mile 17 or 18 of a marathon. Um, but it doesn't usually mean that it, it typically, at least in my experience, hasn't then lasted for another eight or nine miles until I get to the finish line. Like you, you kind of work through it. You know, like, like you keep taking that next step. You keep, you know, trust your training, run strong, like whatever type of, of mantra that I've used. Um, and then, you know, lo and behold, somewhere you get that second wind and you're like, Oh, all right, we're good to go. And then hopefully able to good to go through the finish line. So it's, it's just getting through those, those patches, those rough spots. Um, but I think experience has helped me a lot. 
with the mental side, but also I think like definitely mantras have helped. And also, you know, back to Thessaly's question that I kind of poo pooed about the playlist, but like, I don't turn music on until I need a, until I need a boost, you know? And then for me, you know, the there's some nonsense Dave Matthews music, um, which I love it. You know, I know Dave Matthews is about as polarizing as probably either people love him or hate him. Um, but like, I love it. And so I, you know, I, I cue that up and like, whoo, that's a boost. So maybe having something like that, a little ace up your sleeve that like, I won't necessarily use it for every race, but I know if I need a pickup, it'll, it'll give it to me when I need it. Um, and so that can, that can kind of help too. That can kind of help too. So hopefully, you know, that, that helps a little bit, gives you some things to think about, whether it's music to distract you a little bit, um, whether it's some type of mantra, whether it's, it's just a little bit of, of, you know, reframing to say, all right, I've just, I've just got to do this more, this much more and I can do that. And then, you know, you renegotiate at that point. So you make it to, to mile 20 and now it's, now it's just a 10 K. Hey, just a 10 K left, but maybe not even left, just a 10 K, you know, the warm up is over race has started. Um, and then you push on through. So hopefully some of that helps a little bit for you, Ellen. Um, big race coming up. Good luck for you. I uh, can't wait to hear how New York goes. Uh, next question from Hilda. My next marathon. We got a, we got a big build up for this question. That's all right. We need a little context here. My next marathon will be Big Sur, April 2023. By January, I will be able to run 15 miles, no problem, with several half marathons scheduled between September and December, like probably racing them. I usually do an 18-week marathon training plan, but I'm so injury prone, I want to cut back to 16 weeks, 14, or maybe even a 12-week marathon training plan. I want to finish in less than four hours and 10 minutes, but I hear that the route is super hard. So if I don't make my cutoff or don't make my goal time, whatevs. So how long should a marathon training plan be if you've built some base and you want to finish with a timed goal, but you don't want to hurt yourself during training? You got a magic pill for that? Whew. Hilda, I wish I had. A, if I had a magic pill for that, um, yeah, I wouldn't be relying on my sugar mama to help pay the mortgage. That is for sure. That is for sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, to 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 your question, that's it's it's an interesting. It's not interesting. It's it's intriguing because my initial gut response was like kind of like to to Melly's question earlier that you're almost going the wrong way with it, right? Instead of trying to to shorten marathon training, why why aren't you trying to extend it out? Uh, maybe almost even look like marathon training has started now. You know, instead of instead of waiting until January after you've done you know, several half marathons and, and, you know, run 15 miles and like, all right, well now let's start training because we're, we're 16 weeks out or 14 or 12 or 18 or whatever. Like, why not feel like you're starting marathon training now? Um, and then, and then what that allows is instead of trying to cram all the work into a tighter window and, and yeah, having a, a 15 mile, you know, a base of, of 15 mile long runs, no problem. Like, like that helps. That certainly gives you the, the option to, to quote unquote, only train for the marathon for 12 weeks or, or 14 weeks or whatever. Um, but if you're starting now and you're training for 26 weeks or whatever it is at this point, um, you can have a lot more cutback weeks. You can have a lot more options to be able to listen to your body and go, all right, you know, I, I feel like this little, there's a little niggle starting here. I feel like my hips a little, a little cranky. Why don't I pull back for the next 10 days? Um, and not, not, pull back to the level of not running at all, but pull back to the level of like, let me just back off. Um, you know, just get, get some easy runs in, maybe a little extra cross training, some yoga, something like that. Um, and then 
pick back up in 10 days and kind of move forward from there. It's just, it's just, I guess what I'm trying to say is it gives you a lot more flexibility to, to adjust your plan so that instead of being like, if you wait until you're, you're 12 weeks out and like, this is my training for the next 12 weeks. And then you start to feel that niggle. It's, it's a lot easier to be conflicted towards, well, I got to keep progressing forward because I don't have time. And that potentially for somebody who maybe is a little bit more injury prone like yourself is the recipe of making it, making a little niggle worse and maybe puts Big Sur in in jeopardy, you know, in terms of actually being able to do the race. So, um, you know, it, with a 15 mile long run base in place, like yeah, you could you could get ready in in 12, 14 weeks for sure. Especially for for a you know with it being a difficult course, it makes the time goals a little bit less, um, you know, less do or die, less make or break. Um, but uh, but I, I would say my, my inclination, my magic pill, if you will, is like, why don't you start training now with, with the goal of tra- training for the, the marathon now with the goal of, yeah, you're going to mix in some half marathons. That's cool. You know, but I just think that the longer the runway you have in training, the kind of easier it is on your body to, to maybe even do something where you're, you're, you're ping pong in long run weeks, you know? So like. Instead of doing, you know, in a quote unquote normal build where you might go 15 miles this week and then 17 miles next week and then 18 miles and 20 miles and then, you know, whatever, like, why don't you do 15 miles and then seven, 16 miles and then seven, like something like that, where you're really, you're stretching the distance out, but instead of doing it every week, you're stretching it out every couple of weeks with the the other week being a real, a real cutback week to allow some of the adaptations physically and also to allow that recovery to set in to try to keep your injury issues at bay. So that would be my suggestion. Could you do it in a shorter window to try to reduce your, to try to, to minimize the opportunities for injury, I suppose, but you're also then minimizing the recovery options and the ability to, to press pause on training for a week or 10 days to solve a niggle, um, that could actually be making your injury risk higher. So maybe that's a different way to think about it. Hopefully it, it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, could you do it the way you're thinking? Yeah. My advice would be to go the other direction, though. I think, and, and knowing you a little bit from from working together in the past, like I think I think that might be the way. I think that I think I think that's the magic pill, quite frankly. So good luck to you, Hilda. Certainly, you know, wish you nothing but good health over the coming months and, and years, quite frankly, um, leading up to and, and beyond, Big Sir. But thanks for the question, my lady. Uh, next question from Craig: As a new runner, I have two. I have run two half marathons and finished both in the two twenty range. I have another one coming up in the spring. Is it realistic to set a goal under two hours? Yeah. I mean, I think it is, Craig. I think it is. So, you know, there's, there's no question that a 20 minute, you know, jump in, in a half marathon, like that's a big jump, right? Like, like if you, you know, whatever your exact times are, if you're, let's just say you're, you're 220, um, is your PR currently and going under two, under two hours, like, like you don't need to be a math whiz to be like, that's, that's a big swing. That said, you know, like, like you're, you're, there's never going to be a time in your running career where you make progress as rapidly as when you're still relatively new, you know I mean? It's, it's, it's low hanging fruit. It's like, that's, that's where the major jumps happen. Um, you know, the first half marathon, the second half marathon, you're still kind of figuring things out. It's still a lot of, of new territory. Um, you know, and, and as you've, in theory, 
as you continue to, to, to run and train and, and build that base up and, and learn more about your, yourself, learn more about training principles and philosophies and, and how your body responds to the training demands. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think that, that taking a big swing at the next half marathon, assuming training goes well is, is definitely within the bounds of, of realistic. Now, am I saying that, that you can, you know, set it and forget it. And it's guaranteed that you're going to knock 20 minutes off of your, your time into your next half marathon. No, 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 no. I'm definitely not saying that, but is it a realistic goal? Assuming, you know, with the assumption that, that you're training intelligently and, and working in the right directions and, and listening to your body and, and going that way. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's realistic. Like I, you know, for whatever it's worth. And, and there's a lot of what I just said that's, that's in this, this little anecdote, but I took, so my, my first three marathons, my first one was like five hours and 35 minutes, five hours and 38 minutes, something like that. Um, my second one was worse in a different way. The first one I was undertrained. The second one I was overtrained and running injured, um, was like six hours and 14 minutes or something like that. So it was over six hours. And then my third marathon where I'd learned a little bit gotten a little bit more consistent with my training, trained more intelligently, still had a lot to learn, still, still kind of shudder to think that, that I thought I knew what I was doing at that point. Um, but my third marathon, I was, was like four hours and 30 minutes. So I had knocked like 65 minutes, 63 minutes, something like that off of my PR in my third marathon. Um, so all that to say is knocking 20 minutes off of your half in, in, your third mar- or third half marathon unrealistic? I don't think so. I don't think so. Is it going to be easy? No. Is it doable? Yeah. Yeah. So good luck. Good luck. Train intelligently and then give a hell on race day, my friend. Next couple of questions from Lewis. Of course, we got some, some nonsense questions. Oh, good question. Actually asking questions this month, Lewis. Well, well done. Well done. Applause for not just adding a link and saying, what do you think? Although the, the question still adds, what do you think? But it's a, it's a valid question. I will accept it. And I will answer it. So here we go. First question from Lewis. What do you think about Diana Kipyoki? I think I'm saying her name right. The 2021 Boston Marathon Women's Winner being suspended and possibly being stripped of her title due to doping allegations. So, um, I mean, yeah, sure. Like that's 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 the right thing to do, I think. Um, and and I don't know that this is what you where where you were expecting me to go with this question, Lewis. But like, like, yeah. That's, that's what should happen. You know, like we need to make examples out of people that are definitely caught doping. Um, but I don't think it's going to stop it. Right. Like, like here's the thing. Okay. So, and I don't know all the details, quite frankly, like I said to Ellen's question, I don't even care about elites. I don't care about the drama. I I don't care. Um, and so I don't, I don't know. I haven't really looked into it. I'm not going to look into it obviously, but the amount of money that is on the line, especially for some of these folks. And, and I forgive me if this is somewhat stereotypical or whatever, but like the amount of money that is on the line for winning these majors for somebody that's from, you know, I don't know where, where she's from, but you know, if you're from Kenya, if you're from Ethiopia, um, some, some of those types of countries versus the United States versus Europe, where like, you know, you win, I don't know, whatever the purse is in Boston, a quarter of a million dollars, something like that. Like, like that's life changing money in the United States. Certainly. Um, but a quarter of a million dollars in, in Ethiopia, in Kenya, like that's, whew, that's generational wealth right there. Right. Um, and so I, I just feel like the, the appeal 
or the, the, the risk reward of getting caught for doping. But if you can win that race, and especially if, if you somehow are able to stay ahead of the curb and not really get caught for a few years, um, like I get why they do it. I get why they do it. And I, I can't fault them really, you know, like, like, I mean, I can, I'm not trying to, to forgive them or excuse them for doping, but like, let's say she gets stripped of the title and has to give her $250,000 back. If that's the purse, I don't know what it is, but it, you know, let's say she does that. Okay. But how much has she made in, in appearance fees over the last year by being able to say, you know, 2021 Boston marathon champion that, you know, is, has, you know, done, done signings and, and gotten money there that is run a race somewhere that has been a grand marshal of a race somewhere, whatever, like, like the amount of pe- a, appearance money fee that she ain't giving back. She ain't having to give that back. Um, I mean, that's to me from the outside looking in, that's why they do it because the, the, the amount that they could take in is huge. And the downfall, if they get caught, well, like, like, I mean, it's, it's, you know, hopefully lifetime ban, right? Not running again would be my, would be my take on it. Um, but if she already made life-changing money and only has to give a fraction of it back and loses the title, but she's good for generations. I mean, you know, to quote, to quote Chris Rock, I'm not saying she should have done it, but I understand. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's gotta be massive penalties to try to keep people from doing it in the future. Um, but I don't, I, you know, in certain circumstances, it ain't going to matter, right? People are going to, it's going to be worth the risk. Um, so, so there you go. There are my thoughts on what I think is going on without doing any research, which is probably the best way to give thoughts on things, right? No research, just, just thoughts. Not even, not even pretending that I did my own research. I didn't do any research, but this is just what I feel. That's how American politics works these days as well. Uh, second question from Lewis. Also, I've been crushing my runs lately with most of them going between seven minutes per mile and seven thirty minutes per mile. How is that happening? It's fall, dude. You know, how many times, and, and maybe they weren't always questions for you or from you, Lewis, but how many times over the summer did I hear, did, did you hear me talking about it's a slog in the summer. It sucks in the summer. It's hot. It's humid. It slows you down. It makes you, it, it does. But then when it's fall, when the weather cools off a little bit, when the humidity drops a good bit and you go, where, where did all this come from? It came from running in the summer. Happens every year. Not easy. Not, uh, not always, um, fun in the moment in the summertime, but it pays off in the fall. And if you're consistent through the summer, it, it almost is guaranteed to pay off in the fall. So congratulations on uh, feeling a bit faster, still feeling easy. That happened June, July, and August, my friend. June, July, and August. Final question from Lewis. Also, I love that sign that says, F it, I'm going for a run. Where'd you find it? Um, I've got, uh, in, case, in case you're like, where the heck did that come from? I got a little, a little, little bumper sticker. Little, little sticker action hanging up in my in my office, and now that I'm doing the YouTube's again, uh, you can see it because it's in the background of uh, most of my videos that I shoot in the office here. Um, and I honestly can't remember where I got it. I'm 95% sure um, that Chrissy from a Bad Case of the Runs, which isn't, I don't think she's doing her show anymore, um, but but she had sent it to me a, a few years ago. 
Um, and it was one of those things that, that made the, made the trip from Florida. And then I was like, Oh, I think I'll just stick it right here on the shelf. Um, that sounds good. Um, so, so that's, I, I'm pretty sure that's where I got it, but I've seen variations of the sticker in lots of places. You can, you can find it all over the place. You know, the internet, the internet's a great place to find random things. And I'm pretty sure it wouldn't take you too long to find like an Etsy shop or something like that, that would sell you, uh, F this, I'm going for a run sticker. Um, but I'm pretty sure shout out to Chrissy. Um, that she's the one who sent it to me something like three, four years ago, something like that. But, uh, thanks for the questions, Lewis, as always keep on keeping on and hopefully, uh, continue to enjoy that fall, the fall weather and the boost in performance that, uh, it tends to provide next question from candy. Okay. I'll keep it short. When training for a half every week, I increase it by one mile. I read somewhere that you should not increase by one mile. It should actually be less than that. What do you think? Candy, I think that, that that's only one question. Wait, what happened to the cornucopia of questions this month? Just kidding. Just kidding. One question's good. We'll take one question. We'll take a dozen, whatever whatever it works out to be. Um, but in regards to the question, Candy, I, I think that, you know, I think that that, that, that type of, of one-size-fits-all advice is, is questionable at best. Um, I think that you could make a very reasoned argument um, and give dozens of examples where increasing by one mile every week, building up to a half marathon is totally reasonable, acceptable. Like, yeah, the right thing to do. I think you could do the same thing at the opposite end of the, of the spectrum, right? I think there's, there's plenty of times when you'd say, yeah, you know, like maybe you should, you should progress a little bit slower, take your time, no need to, to try to rush the process that much. Um, and maybe it even wouldn't be good for you to try to increase by one mile every week. So I think this is one of those where like, there's, I don't think there's ever a good one size fits all bit of advice, but I think this is one of those that's like absolutely terrible one size fits all advice. Um, because it really is going to come down to, to how you're feeling. Like what's, you know, almost going back to Melody's question again, you know, like we did it, we revisited it once with, with Hilda's question. Now we'll revisit again with your question, Candy, but like, you know, how much time do you have to, to increase the buildup or increase your mileage between now and race day? The longer the time you have, theoretically, the, the, the less aggressive it makes sense to be because you've got plenty of time. Um, or, you know, you bump it up by a mile and then after a couple of weeks of bumping up by a mile, you, you do a cutback week, give your body a little bit of a break. So you've got, you've got some options with this, with the dance and the, the forward and back that, that might go out along that case. In that case, if you've given yourself plenty of runway leading up to, um, leading up to the, the race itself. Um, you know, you might also look at, um, how you're feeling, you know, and instead of feeling like every week you have to increase by a mile or every week you should only increase by a quarter of a mile or whatever, whatever the side of the spectrum you're on, you know, do a little bit more introspect, inner introspection. I think is that the right word? Be, be more introspective, um, about how you're feeling. You know, are you feeling, are you feeling well, feeling strong? All right. Well, maybe we'll, we'll extend by a mile or so today, maybe even a little bit longer feeling a little bit, eh, not, maybe there's a nickel coming on. Maybe you're just, you're just wiped out. Well, maybe that's a good week to not increase or to increase by just minimal amounts. So, you know, there's, there's, there's some back and forth. There's some, there's some, um, again, reasoned arguments to go both directions. But I think that the best answer is, you know, kind of giving yourself the flexibility to, to maybe push out, but also not that you need to. Um, but also, you know, what's your, what's your experience like you've been running for a decade and this is your 15th half marathon. Well, then you can probably add on by a mile or two every week, quite frankly, depending on where you're starting from, what your, what your training has been like, is this your first ever half marathon? 
well, maybe maybe you want to be a little bit more conservative because this is new territory for you. So there's a, there's a lot of, of variables that go into this this question, similar to melodies. Um, but I think I think that you know on the surface, increasing by a mile per week for your long run, like that doesn't strike me as is inherently risky or bad. But there's enough nuance there that it could. So see how you're feeling, adjust accordingly. Um, but the, the most important piece of the puzzle, as far as I'm concerned, is making sure you're, you're, you're feeling good and enjoying your runs. And if that means that you can increase by a mile or more, cool. If that means that some weeks that you might want to pull back a little bit or, or really mute the increase, that makes sense too. So good luck with your training, Candy. And, and uh, hopefully we'll get some more questions from you next month. We'll get that cornucopia of questions from Candy. And the, the, the three letter, the three different letters of alliteration that goes along with that um, as well. But thanks for the question, Candy. Appreciate it. Uh, next question from Rob. What type of items would you include in a drop bag for a longer distance race? Nutrition, gear, or are there other limitations that may be in place depending on the race? So Rob, on, on the surface, my answer is simple. As much stuff as you can put in the bag is what you should, what you should put in the bag. Um, but yes, there may be limitations. There may be, you know, certain sizes. Like I know, I feel like some races it's like, you know, this, this, Drop bag, you know, at, at this at this aid station, you can have um, like a quart size Ziploc bag of of gear, and so there you're looking at, you know, maybe some lip balm, some some anti chafe, some fuel, um, you know, some of those types of things, some some smaller things that might fit in a smaller bag. Um, maybe they give you no size limits; you can put it, bring as big a bag as as you want. Um, in which case, then you're, you may be putting more stuff in. Um, but it really kind of depends on the race. And, and, but again, I think the more things that the, the merrier, uh, but maybe you want new shoes. Maybe you want, you know, like if it's going to be running through the night, well, maybe you're not going to keep a jacket and a headlamp on you at the beginning of the race, but maybe it's going to get cooler at once the sun goes down. So you want an extra layer, certainly want like a headlamp or knuckle lights or whatever. Um, maybe, you know, it's a race where you'd need trekking poles for a certain section, but you don't need them the whole way. So you want to have those, you know, in your drop bag for later, um, it just, it just depends. Changes of shoes, um, changes of socks, things like that all make sense. Um, different food options, you know, maybe, maybe you're, you're typically like, a you know, give me a, whatever, some, a couple of crackers and, and, uh, a Gatorade, but maybe you might want some chips. You might want something salty, some pretzels, or, you know, maybe something sour, uh, just to, to mix things up a little bit. So maybe you pack some, some sour patch kids or something like that. Um, maybe you put a can of ginger ale or a can of Mountain Dew or something like that, that you wouldn't normally have. But stranger things have happened than feeling like, you know what? I need a little pick me up in here. Um, so just, you know, I, I think the the certainly check with the race. If there's anything that, that they, you know, size discrepancies, things like that. But, you know, the, the more options you have, like, like to me, the, the drop bags, like unless it's a, unless it's a situation where you're like, whatever is left at the aid station is just getting thrown away. Well, then, then you might want to, and I've had that situation before. So in those cases, you might need to be more careful. But if it's like, if, if you'll get your drop bag returned to you at the end of the race, I mean, just put all the things in there. Lay, different types of clothing gear, rain gear, shoes, uh, gloves, hats, like whatever might be, you know, based on the, the time of year, things like that. Uh, but food options, like all the things, because you just never know. Never know what you might need. And it sucks to be out there and be like, well, shit, I thought about packing, you know, whatever, and I didn't bring it with me. Like that sucks. So load it up. Load it up. The other thing to keep in mind is, is it a one-time drop bag or is it something like, is it an out and back or a looped course where you're going to be at that drop at that station a few times? In which case, again, 
pack more things because you might have you might be there in the morning, you might be there in the middle of the night, like you might need some different things in different places. So a lot of times the race will talk about those things, um, you know, on the, on the information that, that they'll provide. But in general, I think the more like like don't be stingy on packing your drop bag. Put all the things in there that you think you might need. Put half the things in there that you don't think you're probably going to need um, because you might need it. And it's better to have and not need than need and not have when it comes to anti-chafe, change of socks, those types of things for sure, for sure. Uh, next question also from Rob. Is there a way to decipher between injury pain and getting old pain? I'm trying to be prepared as I level up in this game of life. Um, yeah, I mean, not really. Not really. Like, like maybe injury pain. But like niggle pain and getting old pain, like yeah, you know, sometimes I feel like that's that's a pretty blurry line. Um, you know, I think that sometimes it's a you know, does it get worse as the day goes on or as the run gets going or does it kind of loosen up? And then, you know, if it gets if it gets worse when you get out of bed, then that's that's not a good sign. If it kind of loosens up once you get moving, once you get the blood flowing, um, maybe that's that's just a getting old type of situation. Um, but hopefully, hopefully to a certain extent. By being active, by running and doing the little things, that'll help to minimize some of those getting old pains. So it'll keep it blurry, maybe, but it'll keep it where you can keep on keeping on uh, as opposed to getting old to the point where you just can't do anything anymore. Um, and, and, you know, I've mentioned it before, but no no greater poster child of this than my my former Florida neighbor, uh, Mr. Bobby Krim, who's whatever, 91, 92 years old now. Um Still getting out there, getting his runs in most days. Um, still doing the, the bike, still doing his stretching routine, hitting the weights. Um, you know, he's not not moving like he did 20 years ago, but he's still moving a lot better than most people that are 91. Um, and I'm sure he's got, you know, he's got some aches and pains of getting old along in there, but he's able to do as much as he is able to do because of how much he's done, if that makes sense. So keep on keeping on um, and keep riding, keep riding that, that wave of, is this, is this a niggle or is this just getting old? Um, and you just kind of got to, you know, eeny, meeny, miny, mow it, make the best decision you can in the situation. Uh, and hopefully many more years of, of asking the questions because many more years of good health and active living in store for, for all of us, quite frankly. But thanks for the question, Rob. Um, next, ah, look at this. Another question from Candy. So maybe, I mean, it's still not a cornucopia, but we got at least a second question from Candy. That's good. Um, Candy's next question is protein or carbs better for a training run and does it differ on the distance of the run? So, um, I think y'all know, I don't know if you know this candy, but I, I, you know, I've, I've made it fairly clear that I'm definitely a low carb kind of guy. Um, like that's, that's my jam. That's how I eat the majority of the time. I don't deal with a lot of fuel for training runs. I don't really deal with any fuel for training runs and don't need to worry about it much for even longer races. Um, because of being fat adapted and, and all that kind of good stuff, which is a whole other topic for another day, not necessarily related to your question. But the reason I bring it up is because my answer is maybe the opposite of what some might expect, but carbs, carbs are better for a training run. Absolutely. Um, you know, like, like you just look at the digestive situation here, um, and carbs are going to break down easier. They're going to be easier to, to be used by your body quicker, more quickly used by your body than heavier proteins. Now, does that mean you can't have a scoop of peanut butter or you can't have, you know, some of those types of things that, that definitely have some protein in them? Not, no, no, I'm not saying that. But push comes to shove, like carbs are a better instant use fuel. 
protein might, you might make an argument better for, for post-race for kind of the recovery process, the, the, you know, giving your body what it needs to get better. And I'm not going to really argue with that. Um, but it also, you know, the second part of your question, it does depend a little bit on the distance of your run. You know, if you, if you're, if you're doing something that's, that's going to go on for, you know, if you're doing a, a, a hundred mile ultra, like you might want some slower burning fuels. You might want some, you know, some bean burritos or something like that. You might want to strip a bacon. There'd be more of a protein than a carb. Um, but if you're, you know, if, if you're doing something shorter, you just, you know, whether it's a gel, whether it's, you know, some Gatorade or tailwind or something like that, um, those types of things are going to give you the quicker hit, um, easier to digest. So in that type of situation, yeah, I mean, carbs are going to be better. Um, even for the guy who doesn't do much for carbs. So, so yeah, definitely, you know, better fuel source is going to be carb, carb heavy than protein heavy. Um, pretty much for sure. I mean, that's, that's fairly, I think, accepted digestive science, uh, exercise science in the, in that answer. Um, so, so there you go. Simple. Don't overthink this one. Keep it simple. Um, simple carbs for, for fuel during a run. Uh, if that's what you're needing is, is definitely the way to go. Uh, next question, another one from Rob. So we got to, you know, kind of a breaking up here, a little ping pong in between some candy, some candy questions and some Rob questions. Uh, this one from Rob, I currently wear shoes with a 12 millimeter drop. This is a reduction I've been using for years. Uh, I want to reduce the drop ultimately to four millimeters or less. I plan to slowly increment the change on shorter runs to test the waters. How aggressive would you, would you suggest I increment the change? So that's, that's a good question, Rob, but ultimately it's still another one of those. It depends answers. So go ahead and drink everybody. Um, but I, I think that, I think that your, your strategy of using it, the shorter runs to kind of test the waters and see how you're feeling makes all the sense in the world. I think that I would kind of go back and forth a little bit, you know, do some, some shorter runs with the, you know, with maybe, maybe drop to an eight millimeter, split the difference, something like that. Um, and do some runs there and then still do some runs with the twelves and maybe, maybe, you know, maybe you end up with, with several different pairs of shoes over the next, you know, six, eight, 12 months that have different degrees of drop so that you're kind of, you're, 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 you're not forcing the issue, um, by just going right to, to eight millimeter and that's come hell or high water. And then eventually you, you stagger down to, to four millimeter, but you're just kind of ping ponging back and forth a little bit, you know, more drop, a little bit less drop, a little bit more, a little bit less as your body responds. Um, and let, and let your body ultimately be the guide. Um, you'll probably feel it in your calves. You'll probably feel it in your calves. Your, your calves will be tight, sore, um, maybe feel a little bit like you're, you're getting old, but it's actually maybe a little bit of a, of just, you know, soreness from the, uh, the activity. Um, but as, as that, that soreness starts to, to ease up and it may take months, but as it starts to ease up, then you take the next step down. Um, I will say that it took me probably. Oh, I probably went about eight months between whatever I was wearing, a, a 10 millimeter drop or something like that, maybe a 12 millimeter drop to get to zero drop. Um, and even that was maybe a little bit faster than, than I should have gone, but I, I did have some stage in the middle. I, I went to like a, a four or a six, something like that, and kind of transitioned into that and then slowly transitioned, you know, and then made that my exclusive shoe and then transitioned to the zero drop. Um, but, but, you know, like, I guess, I guess the, the real answer here, Rob, is let your body be the, 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 the arbiter of how aggressive you go. If things are feeling good and you want to push a little, you know, like, all right, well, you know, I've been running at, at a 10 millimeter drop for, for a few weeks and like everything feels fine. Well, let's go. And then you drop to eight and like, it might take you two months to get to the next phase. So just kind of, just kind of see how you're feeling. Um, ping pong back and forth, stretch your calves, massage your calves, foam roll your calves, 
um, and that'll help speed the process along as well. But uh, good luck and, and be err on the side of caution, right? Like you don't need to to get some type of of itis flared up because you decided to to rush too quickly into you know four millimeter or less, um, and then that de- you know derails some of your other running plans. So you know, cautious, aggressive, if not even cautious, conservative might be the way to go. But uh, thanks for the questions this month. This this month, good goodness, easy for me to say. Thanks for the questions this month, Rob. Uh, next, it is time once again for the Tom trifecta. First question from Tom this month. During my recent fall marathon, I noticed bananas at some of the aid stations. Actually, they were cut in half, but still had the peels on. If you are running hard in a marathon, would you stop to peel a banana and eat it? Would you want solid food at all while attempting to break a PR? I skipped the bananas until after the race. So Tom, um, I mean, I've, I've, well, here's the snarky answer, Tom. Uh, have you ever heard of, of multitasking? And and I know that there's all kinds of studies out that show that multitasking is is not something that we're capable of doing. You know, we're not capable of, of, of doing multiple tasks at the same time. However, I feel like I can walk and chew gum at the same time. I also feel, and I know from experience, that I can run, peel a banana, and eat a banana. I guess I don't peel the banana and eat the banana simultaneously, but I can run and peel a banana. Likewise, I can run and eat a banana. So, so I don't feel like, and again, yes, a little bit snarky, but, uh, hopefully well-warranted. Um, I, I don't feel like you need to stop to peel the banana and eat it during a hard marathon. Now that said, if I'm hammering, if I'm like breakneck hammering, am I going to stop to fumble around with a banana? I mean, probably not, but I mean, I've, I, again, I've done this while PRing at a marathon, um, for what it's worth. It was also a cold race, cold morning. I had gloves on while fumbling with the banana to peel it, eat it, and still PR. So it's, it's definitely doable. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's just kind of, is that part of your plan? Is that something, do you like bananas? Like you don't have to do it, of course, but it's viable and people have done it. Um, and then, you know, you also got to remember that like, you know, like not everybody's going quite at the, at the breakneck pace that you were going, Tom. So, you know, some of us that are running more pedestrian PR times, um, it's a little bit easier to multitask at the same time. So, um, but would I want solid food at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's just me, right? I'm not, I'm not choking myself and making myself nauseous with the gels. I'm going to have a, a half a banana, handful of potato chips, maybe a, an orange wedge. Um, that's going to be my go-to for a PR marathon for sure. For sure. Next question from Tom. I have seen skunks, foxes, hares, deer, and many cats while running in the mornings. Do you see any animals during your runs in the new neighborhood? Um, not a lot, not a lot. I, I've been trying to rack my brain on this. Definitely. There was a, there was a, 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 a period, a couple weeks where we saw a rabbit just about every day, um, along this one little stretch of, of kind of little trail that kind of cuts through the woods to connect two parts of the neighborhood. Um, and it'd be a, a little rabbit out there in the morning, every, every morning. Um, so, so saw, saw Peter Cottontail fairly regularly. Haven't seen him much lately. Um, which maybe means that he met his end. It also means that it's darker now than it was at that time because daylight changing and things like that. Um, and so maybe we're just getting out there before the rabbit gets out into the into that little trail area. Um, but that's about it. You know, I mean, I see occasionally a couple times people out walking their dogs. So, you know, there's that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I haven't noticed too many neighborhood cats. Maybe there's been a couple of those. Um, but the rabbit is the, the most likely scenario in the neighborhood. Now, I've, I have seen um, a deer a nice little buck actually. Um, when I ran the, the Augusta trail 
or the trail to Augusta um, that kind of runs through some some woods, kind of a little quiet area. So saw a deer there, uh, but haven't seen deer in the neighborhood. Um, saw Rebecca saw a big old snake the other day, um, not on a run, but she saw it from her, the window of her office. It was like carrying some type of something or another. So something that had uh, just met met its end and was about to go, you know, have the the, the old jaw unhinged and, and swallowed down. Um, still waiting to see my first snake on a run out here, but you know, running in the, in the, in the dark, um, I don't know for better or worse, you don't see as many, as many things, at least I don't in my neighborhood. So we'll see. I'll keep you posted if there's more wildlife sightings in the future, but for right now it's mostly been just, uh, I think the same rabbit multiple days in a row. Um, last question from Tom, how does the trick or treat situation look in your new neighborhood? Oh man, Tom. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. The, uh, the trick or treat situation in the new neighborhood looks out of control. Um, if you've been paying attention to my, my social media, my scene on the runs lately, um, you, you know, there's no shortage of Halloween decorations and, and what I've been able to show in, in the posts every day is like the tip of the iceberg. It's like trying to get as much of the creme de la creme as possible, but like, like Halloween in our neighborhood is apparently a serious thing. Uh, so much so that rumor has it. And by rumor, I mean, like, I believe it's official. Like there's adult trick-or-treating that goes on with the kids trick-or-treating where if you, if you're in the neighborhood, you, you, you know, which houses to go to with your kids. Cause they're giving out jello shots. They're giving out different concoctions, different adult beverages. Um, that's how serious the neighborhood takes trick-or-treating. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a thing. Apparently might be, you know, might be a, a hangover thing. I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a fair step above the, uh, the old folks retirement neighborhood that we were in before, um, which, which wasn't terrible, but doesn't hold a candle to what, uh, what might be in store for next week. So, uh, I'll report back, but looks like Looks like we've upgraded the trick or treat game significantly by moving to uh, where we are in Georgia. So, thanks for the questions, Tom. As always, speaking of as always, we got the uh, the Gary Joe hat trick plus three because the homeboy can't ask just three questions; he's got to ask four, but then still frame it as a hat trick. Uh, but anyway, uh, hopefully, uh, and and also supposedly today's your birthday, Gary Joe. Happy birthday, my friend! Hope the uh, the next lap around the sun goes well for you. Uh, first question from Gary Joe this month, compression sock recommendations, any specific brand cut, etc. I mean, you know, not really, not really. If I was, if I were to channel my, my inner rock, I would have to tell you that it doesn't matter what compression socks you wear. Um, the biggest, you know, in, in my experience, and I'm not like a compression sock connoisseur by any stretch, but they're all about the same. They're all about the same. Some of them are a little bit longer. Some of them are a little bit shorter. Um, but compression socks are compression socks. As far as I'm concerned, the big thing is sizing. Just make sure you get the right size. Um, sometimes, you know, you're like, if if you're in between sizes, you're not sure. Like, you know, if, if, if the, the difference that, and I am making this up, but if the difference of, you know, between a medium and a large is for shoe size, you know, nine or 10, nine or, or nine and a half. And you're like, or nine or 10. And you're like, well, I wear like a nine and a half. And I don't know, go default down, go down. Uh, because the idea with compression is that you want it snug, right? So if you're, if you're getting compression gear, and it ends up being a little bit bigger than what you need, then it doesn't do a whole lot for you. 
right? So, so when in, when in doubt, default to the smaller size. Um, now you don't want to go way small cause then it's, it's too tight. Right. Um, and with compression socks, it could be a little bit tricky with calf size. If you've got big calves, um, you know, double check their website, their sizing guide. There might be a, a calf circumference guide that would be helpful to check out. Um, but in terms of the different brands that are out there, I, I mean, I've never seen one that was, I was like, Oh God, this is the one like they're all fine. They're all fine. Um, so, so yeah, but compression socks are good. They're good for recovery. Um, might be, might be something I need to wear more of just cause I think, I think it can be helpful, especially I stand at my desk all day. So maybe wearing them while I'm standing could just help with, with, you know, blood return, things like that circulation. Um, but as long as they're snug, you're good. You're good. Next question from Gary Joe. How long should you wait to stretch after running? Asking for a friend. I feel like, I feel like I'm missing something here. Like how long should you wait to stretch? Or are you just saying, you know, after running as opposed to before running, in which case, of course. Um, but like the sooner, the better, you know, like right now, right now says the guy who never stretches after a run, but you know, like, like your muscles are warm. The reason to stretch after a run is because your muscles are warm. They're loose. They're, they're pliable. They've got all the blood flow going through them. Like that's the time to stretch. So as soon as, as soon as possible, as soon as you can get your stretching in, if you're going to stretch post run, like no need to wait very long, like catch your breath, get a sip of water, stretch, stretch. Um, but, but I will say anytime after a run is better than not stretching at all. And certainly better than stretching before. So, you know, if, if, if you, if you need to, you know, whatever, jump in the shower and you're going to stretch later in the evening, like that's okay. But ideally right after your run, that's, that's the time. That is the best time. Last but not least from well, second, second to last, but not second to least, uh, from Gary Joe goal race other than Boston. Um, you know, like this is, this is kind of a letdown. I get it, but like, I don't really have one. I don't really have a goal race other than Boston. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm always looking for races to run and looking for fun races to run. Um, but like, you know, would I run Chicago? Would I run New York? Would I run big Sur? Sure. Of course. Am I going to be heartbroken if I never run those races? No, not at all. Um, you know, like, like, I would, I, I mean, I, you know, y'all know, I would rather run a race with, with a hundred, you know, maybe not a hundred. That's, that's a small, um, but you know, a, a handful of hundred people than a race with 25,000 people. Um, and, and the problem with that is that, you know, you don't hear as much about the races that have 500, 800, a thousand people. And I'm like, they don't have the marketing budgets. They don't have, you know, all the ambassadors. They don't have people ranting and raving about how great this race is. Um, because there's just a smaller number of people that run it. Um, but you know, so whatever that looks like the small, the small town race in, in, you know, whatever in, in Southern Indiana versus the Indianapolis marathon. Like, I mean, Indianapolis, it sounds great. Everybody loves rants and raves about the Indy, Indy marathon. Um, uh, but maybe something smaller would be more my, my jam. Um, so yeah, so I don't really have any other big goal races. Like Boston is a goal race for sure. Um, there's dozens of races I would love to run. You know, I, I, I hear lovely things about, um, the, the Baton Rouge marathon, uh, lots of good things about, um, let's see, what are some other races I hear good things about? Uh, let's see. Mine just went blank. Route 66. I hear lots of good things about route 66. Um, good things about Columbus. Detroit would be kind of fun cause you run into Canada. So that that could be fun. Um, you know, the, 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 what is it? The Millinocket race up in, up in Maine in December. That one sounds like a awesome time. Like that might be my closest to a goal race. Um, but, but yeah, like none of them. Am I going to really be heartbroken if it doesn't work out? Love to run all of them, but you know, 
Goal race? Eh, not really. Not really. Boston's pretty much it for me as far as goal races go. Everything else, you know, we'll take it as it comes. We'll take it as it comes. Uh, the kicks and giggles question this month from Gary Joe. Uh, baby girl's Halloween costume is baby girl. Addison is going as Ginny Weasley this year. Ginny Weasley. Uh, last year she went as Hermione Granger. In case you can't tell, homegirl likes her some Harry Potter. Um, but this year, so so last year, last year her costume was dope. It was out of control good. Uh, my mother-in-law like made. A, a cloak and like made like a full on like like schoolgirl but like Hogwarts schoolgirl um, costume for for Hermione Granger and this year Addison's basically doing this wearing the same costume but she's doing her hair differently um, I think she's dyeing her hair a little bit which she's like super stoked about uh, but she's also getting a broomstick instead of a wand because Jenny Weasley plays Quidditch and is good at Quidditch. Um, so she's got a, she's got a, got a broom and then the Hogwarts gear, maybe a Hogwarts scarf as well. And going to Ginny Weasley. So that's, that's what she's going as. I don't know what that means. She'll be next year. Like who else? Maybe, maybe, uh, Madam Pomfrey next year. Maybe McGonagall. I don't know. Probably not. Maybe, maybe she'll come to the dark side. Cause, I, cause I'm kind of more Slytherin than anything else. Uh, maybe she'll come to the dark side and be, uh, you know, Beatrix Lestrange next year. Maybe she'll grow out of Harry Potter by next year. I don't know. Look at me. Look at me dropping some Harry Harry Potter knowledge. You can tell what, what books we've been reading at bedtime for the last two years as we're working our way through the, the Harry Potter series for like the second or third time now. Um, but yeah, Ginny Weasley is the answer for this year's Halloween situation. Um, we'll see. We'll see how many people guess Ginny Weasley versus Hermione. I think, I think if you know the story enough, like the broomstick's a giveaway. The broomstick is a giveaway. We'll see. We'll see. But thanks for the questions, Gary Joe. Happy birthday, my friend. Happy birthday, indeed. Two questions left. Getting to the end here. Uh, first question from Michaela. How did your daughter do in her school-run fundraiser? And also, how did she ask to do the turkey trot with you? Follow-up, is she in it for the run or for the swag? So we got all the all the Addy questions here towards the end of today's episode. Um, so so Addy had a fundraiser at school, um, kind of like a however many laps you could run, you could pledge, you know, per lap, or you could do a, a dollar amount or whatever. Uh, she did, she did great. And it's not just like proud dad situation here. Um, I don't remember. I, I didn't, I wasn't able to go because the time that her class was running, I had a, a, a podcast interview interview scheduled. So I didn't get to go to it, but I heard the play by play. Um, and, she, and I think that they, they had like a, a checklist for how many laps that you ran, you know, you got a, a mark for each one. And I feel like the lap, like the, the highest number on there was like 30 laps. And she said she did more than that. Um, can confirm that it wasn't like it was a full track lap. So it wasn't like she ran 30 quarter mile laps, which she didn't run seven, seven and a half miles that day. Um, which is fine. I just don't, you know, like, like I just don't want to get that, the, the, get the facts twisted. I don't know how many laps she ended up running, but she ran, she ran as much as just about anybody. She, she hit her 30 mile, you know, target quota. Um, and had a good time, had a good time. Um, so, so it was awesome. She did, she did well. It was a beautiful day for it. Um, and the, the fundraiser went really well. So I know some of y'all chipped in a few bucks. So appreciate that. Um, and, uh, as far as how did she ask to do the Turkey trot? You know, it was, it, it was kind of, it was presented to her as an option. Um, our, again, you know, our neighborhood's on, on point with the trick or treat situation. Our neighborhood is apparently also on point with the with the turkey trot situation. There's a there's an in neighborhood turkey trot on Thanksgiving morning, 
Um, and somebody had posted something in the little neighborhood Facebook group that was like, Hey, you know, we need some volunteers. Uh, got, you need to know how many people are doing it so we can get medals and blah, 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 blah. Um, and so Rebecca just asked her, she was like, Hey, there's going to be a Turkey trot in the neighborhood on Thanksgiving morning. Is that something that you'd want to do? And she was like, yeah, I think so. Maybe. Um, so she didn't really ask if she, if she could do it. Um, it was kind of, it was, it was given to her as an option. There was no, like, you're going to, we're going to do this as a family or anything like that. It was like, do you want to? Um, and it was like, it's going to be three miles. So that's like, you know, kind of a long way. Um, but if you want to train, you know, I'm sure dad would train with you. This is all Rebecca talking. Um, and so Addie was like, yeah, cool. Let's do it. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Uh, so we've started to train for that. You might've seen that on, uh, Strava. She's run home from school a couple times. I uh, did a couple training runs together last weekend. Um, and right now she still seems excited about it. So we're going to lean into it, of course. And if she decides between now and, and Thanksgiving that she doesn't want to do it, then that's cool. Um, but if she does it, your boy will be doing a 5k on, on Thanksgiving day. Although I won't be exactly pushing my pace. You know, we'll be, we'll be doing some, some run walking. Um, I don't know what the time, I, there won't be a time goal, but my estimation would be that we'll be somewhere in the 45 to 50 minute range for the 5k. Um, which is awesome. You know, like if I'm going to do a 5k, that's my kind of 5k, I guess. No, no uncomfortableness with just hammering. Um, but hopefully having some fun running, running some downhills, maybe walking some uphills. Um, but a good way to, good way to start the morning. I mean, I always start Thanksgiving with a run anyway, but haven't started it with a, with a 5k with the kiddo yet, but that might be, that might be changing this year. And I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, follow-up question. Is she in it for the run of the swag? Definitely the blank. Like that was, that was, uh, the, I think the thing that put her over the top was, was Rebecca asked her and it was like, there's medals for everybody that runs it. And she was like, yeah, let's do it. So I guess I missed that part in the introduction or the initial answer. But uh, yeah, she's, she's here for the swag for sure. Last but not least. Well, thank you, Michaela, for the question. Last but not least for the questions this month from Natasha. Simple, simple question. We'll see how simple the answer is. Pack or no pack on race day for a marathon. Um, I mean, the simple answer here, Natasha, is you do you. You do you. Um, I've definitely become, uh, I'm wearing my pack on race day for pretty much any race uh, scenario. Uh, it just holds my, holds my phone, holds, holds my fuel. If I'm going to take fuel, um, has water when I need it instead of like, you know, do I need to wait for a, a, a water stop or something like that? Like, do you need to wear your pack on, on race day? No, you absolutely don't. There's be plenty of hydration stations, um, you know, plenty of, of, of support, usually things like that. You know, if you can put your phone in your pocket or, or whatever, you don't run with your phone, whatever the situation might be like, you definitely don't need it for me. It's a, it's a comfort thing. Like it's, it's easier. It's, it's, I'm used to wearing it cause I wear it for most of my training, my, most of my long runs at least. Um, I don't see a downside to doing it. It's, it's comfortable. I can drink whenever I can mix my own drink. If I'm doing a, you know, some type of tailwind versus relying on whatever the, the aid stations have like slam dunk that I, I do it on race day now. Um, so if you're comfortable with it from training and maybe, you know, you like the idea of having, you know, chapstick or, or some Vaseline or your phone or your fuel or whatever with you right there and not have to stuff it in all kinds of pockets or whatever, then yeah, wear your pack. If you're like, I don't think I need it. Like you won't. So if you don't want to fuss with it, don't fuss with it. Uh, but ultimately it's, is a hundred percent you do you scenario. Um, no right or wrong answer as long as you're comfortable with the choice you're making. But and I guess the other thing to keep in mind, some races won't allow it. Most of them will, but every once in a while you run into races like no, no hydration packs allowed. So just double check that. But as long as your race is like cool with it, um, and you're cool with it, 
I'm cool with it. Go for it. Go for it. And there we have it. There we have it. Closing in on an hour and a half. Had to take a take two here at one point. Hopefully y'all didn't realize it, but my stupid computer just was like, we can't record right now when I was, you know, in the middle of an answer. <sighs> Technology. Anyway, we made it through. Thanks for the questions this month, y'all. Uh, what do you think? What did I get right? What did I get wrong? As always, let me know uh, what you thought of this episode or any episode at Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram. You can also send an email to Dizruns at gmail.com. You can also, also head back to the show notes for today with uh, every answer, every question written out, every answer in the form of a meme or a gif. Proud of myself. Proud of myself for my meme and gif game. If you want to check it out, head over to Dizruns.com slash 1095 Dizruns.com slash 1095 will uh, take you back to the show notes for today. Comment section, links, the whole nine as per usual. So with that, as I can feel my voice failing me, we'll wrap this one up. But uh, y'all, thanks for the time. Thanks for the questions. Uh, and if you want to get your questions asked, asked and answered next month, and you're not part of the Facebook group yet, that's a good way to do it. Dizruns.com slash Facebook. Come join the party. Stay for the memes. Ask some questions. And uh, maybe make a few friends along the way. Maybe join us for a future Ragnar. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, y'all, thanks for the time and and attention today. Have a good rest of your day. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? Later, y'all.